Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 149. Welcome back, Adamantimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. And I'm sorry, it's actually been a little bit since our last episode. I actually had to cancel our last interview that was scheduled because I came down with COVID for the second time. I think I picked it up actually at the Pearl Jam concert. I mean, I can't be for certain, but uh, there was actually three other people that I spoke to that were at the show that night and they all got it as well. So I have a feeling that's where I picked it up. And it actually really sucked because that was on a Thursday night and I flew to South Carolina for a bachelor party on Friday and didn't get symptoms until Saturday night, and Sunday was when it was the worst. So not only did I feel really crappy in the middle of a bachelor party weekend, but also obviously I exposed the six guys that I was there with, and we actually got pretty lucky in the end. Only one of the guys ended up getting it, but it was really weird. I actually didn't think I had COVID at first. So because it was hurricane season in in Carolina at the time, the the days were kind of like half rainy and then half really sunny and hot. And so the Saturday, which was our first full day there, it was it was really rainy in the morning and we had this boat booked and we decided to go, you know, we'll take our chances. We'll go down to the the marina and and hopefully it clears up when we get there. And sure enough, it it did. And it was like a perfect day after that, except that when when we left the house that we were staying in, it was like super overcast and raining, so none of us brought suntan lotion or a hat or sunglasses, and we all just got cooked in the sun. We all got sunburnt, and I thought I had sunstroke because when I woke up Sunday morning, I had a terrible headache, which is I've had sunstroke before, and that's what it feels like. And then I had flu-like symptoms, but also like we were staying, it was a bachelor party, so we like stayed up super late and we went to bed at like four in the morning. And so I thought my body was just also super run down from not sleeping enough. And so I, I was convinced that's that's why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And, and sure enough, I, you know, I tested myself when I got home and yeah, it was it was COVID, which, like I said, I felt really bad that I had exposed those guys. But also it's like, isn't it crazy? Like, why can't I just get sick without it being COVID? But yeah, obviously I, I can't be sure, but hopefully it was just the one guy that it got spread to. And what's also ironic is that that Pearl Jam concert was supposed to happen in March of 2020. It was the very first concert that got canceled due to the pandemic. And obviously at the time we we knew very little and they did the right thing and the cautious thing and canceled the tour at that point. But from what it sounds like, I think with back to school and whatnot, there were a lot of cases that came from this concert. So they might have actually have had less cases if they had had it on the original date in March of 2020. Anyways, I guess it really could have come from anywhere. It was also just kind of strange because I haven't really thought too much about COVID in the last few months. I mean, life feels pretty normal. I went to a ton of concerts over the summer and, you know, I'm I'm fully vaccinated. So it was doing its thing. And uh, anyways, bam, there you go. Round two. But what is most important is we are back in action now and we have a few episodes lined up for you. Starting with today's episode, of course, which is really cool. We have Canadian country music star Tim Hicks back on the podcast for his second episode of the Adamantium podcast. 
Tim just released his fifth studio album. It's called Talk to Time. And the last time we had him on the show was in 2018 before his fourth studio album, New Tattoo. This was back in season one of the Adamantium podcast. And now we have plenty more to talk about. So I met up with Tim at the Budweiser stage. He was opening for John Fogarty of CCR. And we talked about everything that's been going on with him in the last couple of years. And uh, it was really great having Tim back on the show. He's such a great dude, really easygoing guy, really easy to talk to. And before we start the episode with Tim, let's do an updated Adamantium Recommend segment. So here are five of my favorite Tim Hicks songs that you can listen to or compare favorites with. And I usually like to start this with something new. So off that brand new album, Talk to Time, I'm going to recommend his first single from that album. It's called Whiskey Does. And the second song I'm going to recommend is from that 2018 album, New Tattoo. It's called What a Song Should Do. And also from that album, I'm going to recommend the song The Worst Kind. The fourth song I'm going to choose is from his 2016 album, Shake These Walls. The song is called Slide Over. And lastly, from his 2014 album, 501, I'm going to recommend the song, Here Comes the Thunder. And if you are a Tim Hicks fan tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. Better late than never. And we would, of course, love to have you back. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. Don't forget there's a second Tim Hicks episode floating around out there that you can go back to amongst, you know, almost 150 other episodes with plenty of amazing artists that we've had on this show. So if you enjoy today's episode, please do subscribe. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. And that's all the blabbering I have to do for today. So let's get into today's episode. And that is episode 149 featuring country music star Tim Hicks right here on the Adamantium podcast. Have a fantastic week, everybody. God bless. And we will see you back here again for a new episode very soon. Rock and roll. I love it. All right. So we're here with Tim Hicks for the second. I don't know if you remember, but it's the second yes. time you've done this show. So. Yeah. First time in person, though. No. Oh, no. The second first time. So the person? first time, I think it was at Red Umbrella's office or at someone's office. Oh, okay. And it was actually just before your last album or mm. just the last album had been released. Nice. Like tattoo. So uh, I thought I have the memory of you on a Zoom screen or something. Mm. <laughs> Shows yeah, what I know. So many, so many Zoom screens over the yeah, last right? two years. It's like I, I, as soon as like that's slowed down, I was like, I never want to open Zoom ever, ever again, ever yeah. again, ever again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, here we are, four years later. Obviously, a lot has happened. Yeah. In the world. Oh my god. <laughs> in the last four years. Um, but you've got the most exciting thing right now. You got this you know, new album out. Yes. Um, talk to time. Talk to time. And, uh, let's start it off there one thing I read on your Twitter was that you uh, stated that you think this is maybe your most well-rounded album yeah. to date yeah and I think that that really comes from just having time to okay. to write a lot of songs and pick the gems and find songs too mm-hmm. which is you know what's unique about this album is that you know for the last uh, I hadn't cut an outside song since 2014 on, on 501 okay I wrote all my songs and I was I was in you know I was in like a real like you know because the artists that I look up to 
all our songwriters as well. Mm -hmm. So I was in a real state of mind, like I will write my songs, you know. And in country, that doesn't always fly. And we we have a, a rule in our camp that the best song wins. Okay. And and you know, on this record, there are two outside cuts. Uh, one being the title track. Okay. So it was that was interesting in and of itself because you know and we'll probably get into this, but I'll just tell you the story straight out, is that it, I didn't initially respond well to that song. Okay. It was a demo that came to me uh, fully produced, mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, probably my state of mind more than anything else, I had a difficult time hearing through the track. Okay. And I remember saying at the time, like, this is a really great song. Like, lyrically, it spoke to me as a father of two. I'm 10 years into my career, and the song is really about, like, wishing you could slow down time. I remember saying, like, yeah, this, this song really speaks to me lyrically, but it's just too light mm -hmm. for me. You know, I like to have a little bit more of an edge. Yeah. And, uh, but everybody around me, you know, my, my wife, my kids, my manager, my record label, my producer on this one, Derek Rattan, he called me up straight out and said, if you don't cut this song, you're going to hear it on the radio in six months with someone mm. else singing it. <laughs> and that, that, like, that kind lights of, a fire under you. Yeah, it kind yeah, of motivated yeah. me to go down and, and, and demo it. So I tried it. Yeah, yeah. I, I demoed it at that point. And once I dug into it, I really, I fell in love mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. So then how did it go from one, like, I'm not sure I dig this song to now it's the title track. The title track. track. Yeah. Yeah, because as I got it more and more into the track and invested in it, mm -hmm. um, then it became like, yes, I really want to sing this. And there was a lot of discussions along the way too, like how would we put this song into my lane? Okay. You know, and it, it was interesting. So Derek Rattan produced it and on this record, we, it, you know, it was basically half and half, like Jeff Copeland produced half of it and, and Derek Rattan the other half and both work very differently. And mm -hmm. Derek likes to go into the studio with a Nashville band and produce behind the glass right. and, and do all that. And Jeff likes to uh, cut drums and then build the track. Mm -hmm. And I see value in both ways. Um, but, um, you know, Derek said to me, because I said, well, tell me how you do it. He said, here's how I would do it. I wouldn't play them the demo. Mm -hmm. I'll walk into the control room with the guitar and sing them the song mm -hmm. and say, now you guys know Tim. Yeah. And you know what he likes. So, Let's do that yeah. and just see what happens. And he yeah. said, I can manage it after that, like once we get going. And we, we used audio movers. Do you know about audio movers? No. Okay, no. so this is a program that kind of came to light during the pandemic where I was able to connect my home studio with the studio in Nashville. Okay, yes. And I could listen to the band cutting the songs and I could talk to them over my microphone and they could talk to me mm -hmm. uh, and we could communicate, although I was home in St. Catharines and they were in Nashville. Yeah, and then yeah. the very next day we reversed the process and I sang in my home studio mm -hmm. and Derek produced me as if I was in the studio in gotcha. Nashville, but you know, using this program with audio movers. So right from, you know, right from the first take, I was like, these, these guys are on it, mm -hmm. you know? And it, it became clear that, that this is a really great song and I, I'm really pleased that I was able to cut it and that I, I came to my senses. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a kick in the ass, right? right? To, to well, get, get into it. It's funny too, it's, I mean, you hear stories, I think it was, uh, Radiohead, what's Tom York, mm -hmm. didn't even want Creep. Yeah. He didn't like Creep I'm sure. the first time. Yeah, and now sure. it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's a staple. And there was someone, I think even, it was one of the guitarists also didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And he, you know that like before the chorus, there's that like... Yeah. He threw that in there to try and ruin the song. Like, wow. Okay. Something like that. And it became it like, one of the most identifiable I, I, parts of the parts song. Parts of the song, yeah. It isn't how that yeah. always goes. Yeah. You know? That's, that's how it always goes. So, um... Is it you know because I've, I've I've seen that you've you've said about this before, but what what is the importance to you too? You have quite a bit of variety on each album, mm, yeah. you know, from love songs to yeah. 
kind of party songs yes. to kind of tongue-in-cheek type of songs. Yes. Has that always been kind of front of mind? Like, hey, we've got too many of these tracks. Like, let's try it. No, we definitely have those discussions. Okay. Yeah, we definitely have those discussions. Like, and, you know, like, for instance, the Louds and the Hellraising Good Times and the So Do Eyes, we sort of, mm-hmm. we, we re, you know, lovingly refer to those as red meat. Yeah, right. <laughs> we've got too much red meat. We've got to yeah. dial it back. Uh, but also too, you know, prior to having a record deal, I sang all different kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and I like singing all different kinds of stuff. And although you know, I'm branded uh, to use the B word that uh, we use in the industry, I'm, I'm branded as the party country guy, and, and mm-hmm. that, there's there's an honesty to that because I come I came out of bars where right. it was my yeah. job to bring the party. But I also did lots of gigs where I sang all different kinds of stuff, and you need different ki- kinds of material to sing in your mm-hmm. set for it to be interesting right. for me as a performer, let alone for an audience. Right. So. It's always important for me to, to show variety and it's always important for me to show growth. And I think that's why I like this record so much is because, you know, especially over COVID, I feel like I, I grew a lot as a person, um, as a father and a partner and, uh, and as a songwriter and, and, you know, as a human being. So mm-hmm. it was really important to me to show growth as a performer and as a as an artist as mm-hmm. well you know and and that's what we're trying to do that's what i'm trying to do anyway like when i put on songs like numb and songs like young and dumb mm-hmm. um you know and talk to time and cost of life and all these songs these are these are songs that i've listened to that go yeah i identify with this and i feel like if i sang this i would show that that i've grown mm-hmm. you know as an artist and that's important to me yeah you've you've kind of dabbled into about three or four different questions that i had mm-hmm. lined up yeah, coming sure. <laughs> in and so we'll, we'll touch on them in more detail but yeah so what do you do then like say you're you're kind of feeling a little heavy at the moment or something how do you get yourself i mean i guess it helps having a group of guys but like yeah. get yourself into okay we need to write another party song or something yeah. you know what do you do to kind of get yourself in in the mindset of writing certain songs well the part see the thing of it is is the party songs seem to come easiest right especially when i when i write with jeff like we Mm -hmm. because you know i mean he he's a guitar player um he has a heavy rock influence Mm -hmm. Uh, i also have a rock influence Mm -hmm. and you know having played all those songs you know what one of the things you know when i get asked i get asked all the time it's like well, you know, what, my son is 10 or my son's 15 or my daughter's 17 and has a band and they want to make it. What's, you know, what's your best advice? And I always say, like, go out and play. Right. And really what I'm saying is, like, when you play other people's songs and you dissect them as a player and you learn those parts, mm-hmm. that helps you as right. a songwriter. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, like, if you, if you, if you took a part... You know, I don't know, pick one. Save a horse, ride a cowboy, mm-hmm. right? And you and you learn that song, and you learn how all the parts work together. Then you can take that knowledge and apply that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what what we do. You know, we're looking for different ways to say the same kind of yeah, thing, really, of which yeah. is like, you know, being in the moment because that's kind of like at my shows people come to expect that mm-hmm. you know they they expect the the party songs mm-hmm. so but then the question we have to ask ourselves is is this song as good or better than here comes the thunder right you know because we have here comes the thunder right so if we're going to cut a party song it has to there has to be a reason right. beyond well we need a party song yes, you know yeah. um and yeah and it's it's really it's the more the more retrospective songs that seem to come a little harder mm-hmm. because you have to work a little harder right <laughs> at those you know and i'm a tortured lyricist like i i have a difficult time 
writing songs even still mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's something that i continually try and work on is mm -hmm. like you know there's some guys in this business that they're just such naturally talented songwriters that i aspire to that you know mm -hmm. my my forte is really in performance you know right. standing on a stage and being comfortable and commanding a crowd but when it comes to the writing of it i still feel like i've got a lot of work to do and and that's something that i i continually work on you know mm -hmm. so so that's a long way to say the party songs come easy so it's easy to get into those that that headspace it's the other stuff that is a little bit more challenging for yeah. me cool cool mm -hmm. you mentioned you you kind of dabbed into this a little bit already but um and even explained to me some of the software but like tell me in the last few years as a writer and a musician what challenges did you kind of have to overcome professionally or personally to, mm. to make music oh my god time? where do i start um Okay, so some context to that would be needed. Okay. I was in the middle of my world tour mm -hmm. uh, when the world shut down. I was in a pub in England when uh, Uncle Justin uh, said all Canadians must come home. And I mm -hmm. turned to my guitar player yeah. and said, he's talking to us. Yeah. Um, and never made it to Australia, never made it to, uh, we were going to do some shows in the States and, and acro all across Canada. Never happened. So came home from, from the road. Uh, quarantined mm -hmm. for two weeks in my basement, mm -hmm. so didn't get to hug or kiss anybody when I got yeah. home, which was hard. And my wife was busy. She's a public health nurse, and mm -hmm. she was basically like, listen, dude, we need groceries, kids need a meal, laundry mm -hmm. needs to be done. I Don't knock on this door for the next 16 hours. So I, I had to figure it out. Yeah. And, and, and so I was focused for a long time on figuring out how to run a household and yeah. and how to do the things that I hadn't had to do for the past eight years because I'd been away mm -hmm. so in in that came this package of unpacking you know being a father that was absent mm -hmm. being a partner that was absent and the damage that that had caused mm -hmm. um, so you know it was tough it was tough times in my house for a little while there like it was really it was rough like mm -hmm. you know trying to figure out all that and unpack it and repair and reconnect and do all that and so i wasn't doing music mm -hmm. and i was pretty low you know as most people were you yeah know? And i don't think that's unique to me i think everybody went through mm -hmm. really highs and lows during that time and there were some great benefits like having the time to reconnect having mm -hmm. the time to sort these things out but it was also a point in my life where I had never gone that long without doing a show. Mm. And there was part of me that kind of was like, didn't didn't care, but also really missed it. Mm -hmm. And so that was emotionally hard to deal with. Um, and there came a point where I was so low that I decided that I had to get creative or I was, I felt like I was never going to sing again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, and that's how Campfire Troubadour came about because okay. it was something that I could do in my home yeah. um, over the internet with my friends we yeah. could write some songs and we could get it gave me a focus at the same time we began renovating my house mm -hmm. I'm not a handy guy yeah <laughs> uh, but I my father-in-law thankfully is very handy and I learned a ton about renovating kitchens and mm -hmm. laying floors and you know uh, you know measure twice and cut once like yeah. those kinds of things uh, I'm still not very good at it but right. you know if you were gonna lay a floor I could come if you knew what you Tell were doing, start. I, I could no, come like and help you. you I'm you know? not like you. I rely on the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so all of that, like, all that to say, like, I, so I was focused on other things, but when I got back to it, 
I fell back in love okay. with recording, with writing, with being a performer. And now I think, you know, I feel like my voice is strong and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm back to being myself. In fact, I had a moment yesterday where I thought, like, I feel the most myself I have in years. Okay. You know, which is... Man, it was touch and go there for a while. Yeah. Were you were you able to use any of that energy that, that, Absolutely. that you felt to Absolutely. as inspiration kind and of? And you yeah. hear that on songs yeah. like Numb, like that's yeah. real, man. Yeah. Like that and I didn't come up with that idea. That was uh Copeland's uh baby. He had that title. Gotcha. And we were writing that like that day for instance. We were writing with Dan Couch and we were writing a different song and mm -hmm. Jeff was bummed. He was going through some stuff and he just kept, you know, kind of talking about it in the room, which often happens when you write songs. Uh, you just tell your friends way more information than mm -hmm. you normally would. <laughs> and we switched gears, you know, to this song, to this numb song that he yeah. wanted to write. And it became apparent in the room very quickly that this was going to be a very powerful mm -hmm. song. And when we went to demo it, because it was kind of things like I was in Nashville, we wrote it, say, you know, between noon and three. And by eight o'clock that night, I was cutting the vocal yeah. on it. Like, not the master vocal, but the... Uh, actually what became the master vocal as a matter of fact because we kept it but um there was a moment during that song where i couldn't sing it because oh, really? i was choked up yeah and i remember saying like jeff was choked up it was just him and i yeah. in the studio it's like he was welled up and i was welled up and I, we're looking at each other like, and, I, and, stop and it. i remember saying like <laughs> yeah. i don't even know yeah, because, why i'm why this is happening like yeah. this song isn't even about me but yeah. it became apparent like that i could really identify i yeah. really identified with what he was saying mm -hmm. and what we ended up writing as, as the lyrics because of what i had been through yeah. you know with you know my with my own mental health during during COVID. so yeah. so yeah i mean yeah i did i did use a lot of that um as inspiration yeah. to, to writing those kinds of songs and really just letting myself go like there, if if that had been five years ago, I, that song never would have got cut because we would have said, "Ah, we're not really looking for songs like that." Yeah, ah, it's not very brand consistent. Somebody right. would say, you yeah. know, something like that. But, in, but now it's like, no, you know, I'm 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 a 43 year old, uh, you know, singer songwriter performer, and it's time to say some mm -hmm. things that aren't hell raising good time. Yeah, and and that's okay, mm -hmm. you know. It's part of mat maturing. Maturing as, as an artist, person, but yeah, also as, as a, an artist. Absolutely, yeah. and and yeah. so that's kind of how I was looking at. It. Like I'm ready to to say these things mm -hmm. and be and not be not feel weird about it. Yeah, you know, like especially because they do come from a place of honesty. Yeah, you know? and it's interesting because that was also a question that was mm -hmm. in here is being someone who has had a a long career already. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, obviously, you're not writing songs the same way you did when no. you were 20. And no. it's, it's I, I find it interesting looking at certain artists. I look at someone like Eddie Vedder, mm -hmm. who has not only, like, has matured his music like a fine wine. You know, yeah. the guy was, like, the punk in yeah. the 90s yes. and is now this, like, mature songwriter. Yes. And then you look at someone like Blink-182 or something yeah. who are still trying to play songs about and high school. And they didn't you know? quite like, make it. it didn't it's different, you know? It. Like, it's it such different. a different way to look at it. And mm -hmm. same with it's been interesting talking to musicians about. I talked to some musicians who were like, I couldn't, I couldn't play music, I couldn't write music in mm -hmm. the pandemic, and it was like I just couldn't do it. You yeah, know? it was my. And then other people was like, I needed to do yeah. it. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's it's so different, but it forced everybody to, you know, maybe feel or think about more things harder. that they yeah. avoided while yes. they're on the road. You Absolutely. Know? So yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's got um, real, real, real quick. Real, real, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So the first single off this album is a song called Whiskey Dies. Yeah. And that's a, a relationship song and, and about one that's not healthy. Yeah. You know, something that we, most of us have probably been through yes. a couple times in our life. Yeah. And 
when you write a song like that, um, is that for you, is that a way of like, you know, getting something off your chest? Is it a way, you know, is it a song for the people listening to say, hey, look, we've all been down that road. What what are those songs for you? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was identifiable. Okay. Um, you know, that, and, and I, I kind of, I always like those sort of songs that are a little bit like you know, I mean, not, cheeky is the wrong word because there's no. It's not like a chuckle cheekiness, but right. like a little bit of like a, a little bit needly. Yeah, <laughs> you know course, what I mean. Like comparing it to exactly, you know, like you know and and you know, I've been I've been in those situations, and uh, I just thought that that it was a really great idea for a song it, that came from a Zoom right that I did with Derek Rattan and Monty Criswell, mm-hmm. and Monty had it kind of worked out mm-hmm. when we logged on. And I just thought, like, yeah, this is something that I, I really want to sing. It was the first song we wrote mm-hmm. as the three of us, and we ended up writing five or six together, and two of them wound up as singles, and I think we got three cuts on the record. Um, so that's uh, that's always exciting, you know. And th- that was the first one that we wrote that everyone kind of got excited about. Mm-hmm. And it was like, when are you guys writing again? That kind of thing. And then the second one we wrote was Dodge Out of Hell. Right. So, um, yeah, like, Whiskey, I've, I, again, like, there, it just had a feeling to me of a little bit of growth um and i love the mid-tempo thing and it's fun to play live and we do like a you know super extended solo on the end of it which you know we'll do tonight um and to make it fun for us but uh i really what i loved about that song was cutting the backup vocals Mm. because we talked about it in the right like oh and it could be i'll i could stack all these you know hey 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 like all that stuff and you know that's me singing all those parts because i love to do all that Mm. in the studio like i love to sing harmony um and and to to produce those those kinds of uh sessions Mm -hmm. you know so that was what was the most exciting part about whiskey does for me is like cutting the background vocals and then getting to shoot the video with the band in the california desert was like that was the first thing that we that we got to do together post pandemic like quote unquote right i know we're still in it but yeah uh post uh lockdown post the worst the worst of it yeah and so you know to have Mm -hmm. them there and you know to be able to take a trip with the guys it was like Mm -hmm. the band's version of a golf trip i Yes, you course, know, because yeah. we don't, none of us play golf, but uh, it certainly was fun to fly out to California and yeah, shoot a, a video cool and, of the world. Yeah, too, yeah, and then like putting Andrew up on the mountain. Yeah, yeah, that was the, that solo yeah. bit. Was, that was, I was like, I bet that he loved that. Well, like, we were like, like cause was, it's like every guitarist's like, dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we got dream on location, shot. and I was like, oh, could we put a guy yeah. up there? And then someone said, oh yeah, it'd be like Slash and November Rain yeah, or something. Yeah. And I was I, I was thinking more like Blaze of Glory, like it's yes. Bon Jovi, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's like, Andrew, would you go up there? He's like, yeah, I'll go up there right now, yeah. let's go. And you know, we had the drones there to shoot. And I remember, you just actually have a clip on the phone, somebody recording me watching the playback happen mm-hmm. and everyone losing their minds. Yeah. Like, what a great what shot a great, that yeah. is, you know. Yeah. And so that was a great moment for us. And I, I'm just pleased that that song uh, did did as well as it did and and uh, you know sort of kicked off the record the way it was you know because it was obviously the first new one from yeah. from that whole batch of songs there was uh, I was actually out that way in April and um, I was at uh, Zabriskie Point in um, Death Valley oh yeah which is actually where the cover from the YouTube Joshua Tree oh okay was taken. Yeah, and yeah. there was a guitarist out there having a photo shoot done uh-huh, of course like super epic yeah, spot yeah. like just yeah, <laughs> yeah we've done yeah. lots out that way too because yeah. you can't it doesn't matter which way you point the camera no, it's beautiful everywhere is mm-hmm. a cover you yeah. know um, was it always planned so 
uh, whiskey does, and then dodge out. How the, even the videos kind of continued one into the other. Yeah, that, that was calculated. Those, did those, okay, did those yeah. did those songs kind of go hand in hand, or did uh, it just kind of work out nicely? Well, just or? you know, I, I, part of the behind the velvet rope. Part of you know the music business is trying to figure out how uh, efficiently and co like cost efficiently right, you can do course, things. Yeah. So while we were out there, we shot two videos and with the same director, and it kind of made sense. Like, could we bridge the gap mm -hmm. between these two songs and make them part of the same story? Yeah, and and that was. That was an easy thing to do, you know, because what I, I had a big hand in coming up with the concept of, of the video Whiskey Does. It was me, Mitch Nevins, and Adam Rothline that uh, batted around that whole concept of like, you know, the the woman uh, in there, the main character is she's in a in a relationship that's a you know a poor relationship. The yeah. other her partner's drinking a lot and. Uh, maybe that's because she's sort of hooking up emotionally with this guy from work. Yeah. And, um, so it was kind of an easy thing to go, all right, second video, she burns down the house and drives away. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? And again, that was like one of these Zoom rights that we, you know, Monty Criswell is like the guy, he's so epic. He, he logs on, he's like, I had this idea. And he spouts out the whole concept. Now, not yeah. the song, but says, yeah. he starts off the, you know, conversations like, do y'all in Canada have this phrase, get the hell out of Dodge? Yeah. And yeah. I said, yeah, I, I mean, of course. Yeah, I say that all the time. You know, Come on, kids, let's get out of Dodge. Let's go. Yeah. Come on, get your stuff. Uh, and he said, well, what if we turned that on its head and it's get the Dodge out of hell? Yeah. And it's, you know, this girl's in this relationship and it's not, it's, it's maybe abusive and she decides she's going to burn down the house and buy an old Dodge and drive until it runs out of gas. And yeah. I was like, dude, if that's not a country song, right. what is, I don't know yeah. what <laughs> yeah. is. Like, that is, that's perfect. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of made sense to, to connect those two just from the fact that we were already out there shooting a video. You may as well shoot two. And if they're going to be back-to-back -back singles, um, the storyline kind of kind of made sense, you Very know? Cool. Which is fun to do. Like, you know, we've done that in the past, or we've alluded to that in the past, but we never had, like, literally shot one video one day and then the mm -hmm. second one the next. Like, kind of, anyways. Two days and then two days. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was, that was a fun time to be able to do that with the guys and, and, uh, and, and make those songs come to life in a video sort of way. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um... Another song I wanted to talk to you about was uh, another really fun one, The Good, The Bad, and The Pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I also thought was really cool because it's kind of a, a tribute to all yeah. those bars that you play That's exactly where it came from, man. Yeah. So I, it, I wanted to pick your brain on, mm. tell, me about, tell me about some of those bars. Tell me about yep. the ones that stick, when you think of that song, what are the ones that come to your head? Yeah, so what I was are, thinking about it because I can tell you all yeah. the ones. Uh, the Liquid Lounge in Brantford, Ontario. Okay. I, I used to play there every Tuesday by myself for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And usually there was about eight people there. Yeah. <laughs> and six of them would yell at me yeah. and heckle me, and I, I learned to heckle back. Yeah. You know, and these are rooms I cut my teeth on. Um, uh, you know, Grace O'Malley's downtown Toronto. Yeah. We were the house band there for years. Really? I played, yeah, I played uh, every Wednesday by myself. Really? Uh, again there. And then I spent many we, of my college. Well, you college guaranteed you saw us play, there, man. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah, Funny, yeah. We, 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 we played there for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, uh, I think maybe eight years, but close yeah. to 10. But that place, uh, there's a place in Acton, Ontario called Tanner's. Okay. Tanner's Garage. I still love If I'm out that way, I still go there go for there, lunch. Yeah. Like, there are lovely people. And I and again, like that song is a tribute to those rooms and the people that I met in those rooms. Some of them, like for instance, uh, my friends uh, Teddy and Rena in Brantford uh, discovered me at the Liquid Lounge. Right. And they literally were just texting with me. Hey, you know, too bad we can't make it tonight. We love John Fogarty, like that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. They're still friends of mine, you know, from wow. from those years. And that's what the good, the bad, and the pr pretty is all about. Really, it's mm -hmm. just those little rooms and how like 
you know, you could you could really mash together like the softball team in the corner with the lawyers at the bar with yeah. the kids that came in to play pool yeah. you know because there was only one venue in town that had live music yeah and everyone knew that if you you know on on tuesday if you want to hear someone play tim's down at the at the liquid lounge yeah. you know or whatever it was or mcmullins in mm -hmm. kitchener yeah. or you know all of those places frankenstein's in guelph like these are places i played for years and years and years that i met countless people that are still my yeah. friend in fact uh, in fact uh kara wagland from uh i think she's on tsn or sportsnet i can't remember yeah. which one she's one of the anchors she was the bartender at, oh, really? at uh, frankenstein's in there guelph you go. Yeah. she would the one she was the one that would count out the 20s at the end of the night oh, okay. that i would pay the yeah. bandwidth right yeah so it's funny uh, all these people that you meet along of the way of course and where you never know where they're gonna end up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. they say you never never burn your bridges because, like you said, you never know yeah. who you're gonna cross again. You know, <laughs> you oh, never do. When I saw you in that bar. Yeah, twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No kidding. Squires That's... was another one in so, Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. Squires. Yeah. Fenelon Wentworth. Lovely people. I haven't been there in a long time, but that's where I was like, quote, discovered. Yeah. Um, I did a little showcase there uh, during CCMA one year when it was in Hamilton and Denny Carr, our then A&R mm. man, uh, came and saw me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, led to signing a deal with Open Roads. So yeah. All these places, man, they all, uh, they all kept my lights on for a long time. And I really, I don't, uh, I, and I tell them every chance I get, you know, yeah. that I, I don't take them for granted. You know, I right. love those gigs. It's been long enough now that I can kind of look back on those times with nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, whereas like right after I finished playing bars, I was like, thank God yeah, that's, yeah, that's over. Yeah, isn't that you funny? Know, that was like, so hard. Like, yeah. yeah, cause it is hard. Like, you know, it's a young man's game, like dri driving, well, setting up the gear, yeah. and getting home at 5 a.m. I was gonna say, it can be a good time, but also a hard mm -hmm. time at the same time. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and back then, like I was literally driving the band uh, in in the van, and uh, I was tour managing, but we didn't we didn't know what that it was called that. Yeah, it was just uh, I was the guy with the answers. Yeah, you know, uh, we just didn't have a, a job title attached yeah. to it. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, to wrap up, because I only got a few more minutes with you. Mm. Uh, I thought it very fitting tonight. You're playing with John Fogarty here. Mm -hmm. We're at the Bud stage. Mm -hmm. uh, John Fogarty too. Another like journeyman, long time yeah. career musician. Yes. What does it mean? For you, I know you said you haven't had a chance to meet him yet or whatever. Yeah. For you, what does it mean to have your name attached to someone like John Fogarty? Yeah, CCR? well, like I said, I mean, like I said on the way up here, it's like, it's definitely a pinch me moment. Yeah. You know, anytime you get to play Bud stage, is special. Of course. But when yeah. you get to play Bud stage, you know, as direct support for a man who you covered for 20 years. Right. <laughs> you know? Like one of the first songs I ever learned how to play was "Have You Ever Seen the Rain?" Right. You know, these are, you know, "Bad Moon Rising," "Proud Mary." These were staples, of course. Uh, "Fortunate Son." They mm -hmm. were staples in our set for years and years, um, and that people would request and we would play. So you know, I just had a moment as you know, he sort of walked by. He was on his way to sound check as I was, I was just standing on the deck, really just soaking it in. It's like. Oh my God, yeah. we've made it now. Yeah. Like this is, I just certainly didn't have like play Bud Stage with John Fogarty on my bucket list right. until today. Like yeah. this is, this is a really special moment, you know? And my, I, I've, I've talked about this in interviews uh, leading up to the show, but my stepfather's a drummer. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a house full of drums, 10, okay. 10 kits in the basement at any one given time. Oh, wow. Never learned to play too much like furniture to me. Right. I was into guitars and girls. Uh, but uh, he, uh, his favorite band in the entire world is CCR. Really? Yeah, and they're gonna come tonight. And when I called, cool, there yeah. was one of the first calls I made when we when we booked the gig, when we yeah. knew it was ha gonna happen. Because it was very, you know, 
it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's yeah. happening, it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, you're playing 20 minutes, you're playing an hour, you're playing 30 minutes, you're yeah. playing 40 minutes, you know what I mean? It was like yeah. things, it was a bit of a moving target for a while. So finally when it was like, all right, papers are signed, this gig is happening, I called my mom and my stepdad and uh, I could hear him shed a tear of joy yeah. <laughs> on the phone, you know, just like, oh my God. And he said, and it's probably the think, proudest he's yeah, ever he's made. Like, yeah. Do you think you'll be able to get us some tickets? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I can get I think, tickets yeah, for me, my parents. Yeah, that's yeah. It. <laughs> I'll fit you into the guest list. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's you know that's like a really special thing as a son, you know, be able to yeah. give that to my parents. Like, you know, I mean, I'm sure for them, for them, it's like, you know, they all, especially in these last ten years, like, wow, you've really made it. Mm -hmm. now, now tonight, I've made it even feel, further. Right. That's right? it. So it's it's a special day. Very cool, man. Mm -hmm. I, li I like that story. I think that's a, a great story to wrap on. Um, Tim, thank you. Thank you. Th thank you so much for, for, for doing the show again. My pleasure. And uh, I hope you I hope you crush it tonight. Yeah, we're going to try. All righty. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.